0: Thank you uh, for being here on site and for participating with us online. Um, So many other things you could be doing. If there's one thing I observed uh, during the pandemic, which may, well, I guess it's officially over, isn't it? COVID's still here, but the pandemic is over. Um, One of the things that I, I noticed about us as human beings is that the idea of handing control of our lives over even small portions of our lives the whole idea of handing control over to anybody is terrifying it's scary isn't it everything from i have uh, i have enough stored food and water stored up in my house you can see me again in six months to you can't tell me to wear a mask i don't have to get a vaccine Now there might be exceptions, I mean with over 7 billion people in the world going on 8 billion, uh, there there, there probably are some exceptions, but humans want to control their lives. At least we want to feel like we're in control, Uh, even if it's an illusion, a mirage, a dream we would like to just live in denial and say I'm in charge, I'm the captain of my fate, I'm in control, I can do it myself. I've observed that that's one of the first things little kids learn to say and one of the last things people say before they die. I can do it myself. Not always true, don't get in an argument with it's dangerous if you start arguing with somebody who just said that. Only in our God's kingdom family, uh, we begin to see a different truth. We see the reality. We aren't, we aren't in control. No matter how strong we may be grasping the steering wheel of our lives, and, and we may be thinking, I got this. Um, we're not in control. Uh, we run into headlong. the in God's kingdom family, we run in headlong into instructions for life that sound like these from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. starts out good. Rejoice always. Okay. Pray constantly. Okay. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, the first one sounds like be happy. Okay, that sounds like something I'd like to do. Pray constantly. Okay, that sounds pretty hard. Uh, Then give thanks in everything. Are you serious? Oh, and then he has to go and tell us, oh, by the way, these are things God wants you to do. Uh, And then he says, don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Whoa. Verse 19, did you notice it? It orders us, because we're not in control. These are all commands. These are directions, if you prefer to say directions. These, we're told to do these things. Don't stifle the spirit. There are several different ways that they try to... That, that we, Paul originally wrote that in, in the first century, in the first century Greek language, uh, and so it's been translated into English for us, and English translators uh, apparently have a little difficulty getting it into English because there are several different ways it's translated, but so I'm going to give you some examples. Do not quench the Spirit. Don't, do not, don't try to stop what the Holy Spirit is doing. Do not quench, subdue, or be unresponsive to the working and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Don't turn away God's Spirit. Do not extinguish the Spirit. Don't stifle the spirit. I looked up the definition of stifle. It's not a word. I, I, I like words that we use every day. I, I call it McDonald's English. If you hear it in a conversation at McDonald's, most people understand it. If, if you don't hear it in a conversation at McDonald's, you probably need to look it up. I looked up the word stifle because I'm pretty sure I don't hear that often at McDonald's. Stifle means to kill by cutting off the supply of air from, from something or someone, to suffocate, to smother, choke, to suppress or repress, to hold back, to check, to stop, to inhibit. Don't stifle the spirit. Well, that begs the question, how can we as mere human beings stifle the Holy Spirit? How can we smother the Spirit? How can we hinder what the Spirit intends to do? The Holy Spirit is God. How can we quench God's fire? How can we hold the Spirit back and keep God from acting? four ways that we quench the spirit as human beings there are four ways at least there are four ways that we quench the spirit we quench the spirit's work in us when we refuse to keep Jesus' command to love each other as he loves us Jesus says said I give you a new commandment to love one another just as I have loved you You are also to love one another. Everyone will know by this that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Not warm, fuzzy feelings. Love the way Jesus loved. That's the love that serves and sacrifices. The trouble begins when we think we need to decide who's worthy of our love and who is not. That's not our place. We are fire keepers who fan the flames of God's holy love into a red-hot blaze for everyone that Jesus loves. Just for for those of us who thought, oh, there's an out. There's not. You will not meet a person that Jesus doesn't love. We quench the Spirit's work in us when we refuse obey, to keep Jesus' teaching and his command to love each other as he loves us. We quench the Spirit's work in us when we live for the next spiritual high produced by unusual dramatic moments. This happens when we set the standards for what the Spirit should do in our worship meetings. I've seen this on Facebook. I just this happened years ago. But just it was a it was a couple that was looking for a church, a new church. Their church had gotten boring. That's what they said. Their words. Our church is boring. We're looking for an exciting church. We want a church where where, where people swing from the rafters. We want a church where where, where 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 stuff is happening, people jump and dance in the aisles. It'd be really cool too. We've heard that there are churches where there's gold flecks of gold just kind of appearing in the atmosphere and falling on the floor. We want to go to a church like that. I don't know about attending that church, but I'd like to be the janitor at that church. You know, run the vacuum and sweep up all those cold flakes. I'm sorry. Yes, I do have a little bit of a sarcastic, ironic sense of humor. We are fire keepers, not fire inspectors. It is not our responsibility to say, Holy Spirit, this is how you're supposed to act when you show up at my church. And if you're not showing up that way, then I need to go find another church where you are showing up the way I think you ought to show up. Like who... The wind blows. Jesus said the spirit like the spirit is like the wind. The wind blows. We don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. The spirit goes and blows where he decides to blow. We, we need to keep up with the spirit. We don't need to ask the spirit to keep up with us. That's not the way it works. Quench the spirit's work in us when we refuse to love, like Jesus told the loves us. We quench the spirit's work when we try to make the spirit do what we think the spirit ought to do in our worship services. We quench the spirits work in us when we substitute our limited creativity, our limited ideas for the work of discerning what the spirit's the spirit's direction. Pastor Sam Storms writes, so we, we say we want revival, but truth be told, we want it on our terms. We don't pray out loud this way, but in our hearts, what we often are saying is, come Holy Spirit, but only if you promise in advance to do the things we've always done. Holy Spirit, but only if you won't embarrass me. Come Holy Spirit, but only if your work of revival preserves the traditions with which I am comfortable. Come Holy Spirit, but only if the, your work of revival is neat, tidy, dignified, understandable. above all else socially acceptable. Come Holy Spirit but only if you plan to change others. Only if you make them be like me. Only if you convict their hearts so that they will live and dress and talk like I do. Come Holy Spirit but only if you let us stay the way we are. All I know is that I've been around church people all my life, and that's pretty well true. Maybe not for you. Like I said, there are always exceptions. I've met a lot of people, but that's exactly what their, their attitude is. The Spirit calls us, though, to be fire keepers, to fan the flames of the things that Jesus wants to do in and through us. We're fire keepers, not firefighters. We're to be fanning the flames of God's work, not standing back and going, do you can do anything you want except... We quench the Spirit's work in us when we refuse to love like Jesus loves. We quench the Spirit's work in us when we're seeking to make him meet our standards for what he ought to be doing in our services. We quench his work in us when we substitute what we think is right for discerning his direction and where he wants to lead us and we quench the Spirit's working in us when we cling to our competing agendas and our counterfeit priorities. It often sounds like this. We have a meeting, we plan things out, and then we pray at the end, Holy Spirit, bless our plans. Here comes my sense of humor again. What do you think would happen if the Holy Spirit were to reply audibly to that prayer and say something like this? What makes you think I would bless that? It doesn't even come close to what I had The Spirit doesn't reply audibly. It just doesn't work. And then we're left wondering, well, what happened here? We are firekeepers responsible for discerning the Spirit's direction instead of coming to Him with our agenda and our priorities and saying to Him, this is, way we, this is the way to go. We just need you to power it. We're not firefighters dictating to the spirit what needs to happen. We're firekeepers who need to find out where he wants to go. So how can we fight and stifle the spirit? We act as though we are firefighters and not fire keepers. Now for everybody who's been going, okay, I'm pretty sure I have never heard the term firekeeper used at McDonald's. I should explain that. Firekeepers, it's, it's, those are part of the world long before there were matches and lighters and, and easy ways to start fires. Once you had a fire started, there was somebody in the group Who always kept the coals so that there was a way to start the fire, or always kept the sacred fires going? For example, the priests in ancient Israel's places of worship—first in the tabernacle and then in the temple—they were to keep. They were charged with keeping the fire burning on the altar in those places of worship. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, command Aaron and his son. Those were the priests. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. The fire which is on the altar must be kept burning. In case you didn't catch it the first time, guys. He said, I'm repeating myself. It must not be extinguished. A continual fire must be kept burning on the altar. That's the third time he said it. It must not be extinguished. That's the second time he says, don't put it out. The priests were physical fire keepers. We are spiritual fire keepers, not firefighters. In fact, our our sermon in a sentence this morning is, don't fight the spirit's fire, but keep it bright and hot. Keep it bright and hot. That's our place. Fire keepers fan the flames. Our denomination is named after uh, two brothers, John and Charles Wesley, uh, who lived a long time ago in England, and we'll go into history sometime. But John Wesley wrote this, he said about, about these verses, Whenever, wherever the spirit is, the spirit burns. The Spirit flames in holy love, in joy, and prayer, in thanksgiving. Quench not the spirit in yourself or others. In other words, don't fight the spirit's fire, but keep it bright and hot. Don't stifle the spirit. Fan the flames. Don't try to stop what the Holy Spirit is doing. Fan the flames. Do not quench the Spirit. Fan the flames. So what keeps us from fanning the flames? What drives us to stifle the Spirit? What motivates us to hinder what the Spirit intends to do? Pastor Sam Storms, again, He wrote, the the spirit comes to us as a fire either to be fanned into full flame and given freedom to accomplish his will or to be doused, extinguished, and extinguished by the water of human fear, control, or flawed theology. I'm going to hit these real fast. Flawed theology. One of the flawed theologies is God doesn't do that stuff anymore. God doesn't do miracles anymore. That stopped thousands of years ago, about 2,000 years ago to be exact. Uh, It doesn't happen anymore. One of the biggest things the Holy Spirit does is change people's lives. The Holy Spirit shows us that we need Jesus, that we need forgiveness, that we need new attitudes, change of heart, change of mind, change behavior. He's still doing that. Why would we think he stopped everything else? He hasn't stopped. Unless, of course, we tell him we don't do that in this church. Human control. The Holy Spirit, you can do anything except... human fear we can be afraid of one of two things we can be afraid that uh, that God won't show up now when we pray and ask God to work that nothing will happen so we just don't ask there's a short succinct message about that in book of James chapter 4 you have not because you ask not the other thing is on the other hand some of us are afraid that the Holy Spirit actually will do stuff when we get then this is what I know about the Holy Spirit folks when he shows up and starts to work it becomes really scarily positively obvious that we are not in control if we want to try to do the things to keep us safe and comfortable and feeling all secure we're going to be really uncomfortable following the spirit because the spirit does things like leading us the way he led Jesus and the way he led Jesus was to a cross and that's definitely not safe and it's not pretty and it's not comfortable There's only one way to resurrection, and that's through a the cross. So there's good news, though. I know that sounds scary and that sounds uh, like bad news, but the good news is at the cross, our motives for all, our motives for stifling the Spirit, all that is answered. Our fears are answered. No one loves us like God does. Jesus proved it. <coughs> He'll see us through all the scary parts and the not scary parts. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. If he's willing to leave heaven and die on a cross for us, there's not a thing that, he, that can ever scare him away. He'll never forsake us. Control. Our desire to be in control. Jesus understands. He felt the struggle Involved in surrendering to God's will. He will help us win that battle too. He knows what it is to pray, not my will, be God, but yours. Stinking theologies. See, from the cross we can see the empty tomb. The same Spirit who gave life to Jesus lives in us. Now. Nothing can thwart God's plans as long as we work together with the Spirit. As long as we're fanning the flames, we are fire keepers not firefighters. Dr. Joanne Lyon, one of my heroes, or whatever the feminine version of hero is. In Indiana, when they say it, it sounds like a drug, so I don't like to say it. So she's one of my heroes. She's General Superintendent Emerita of the Wesleyan Church. She, she writes, the, the more open a church is to the personal work of the Holy Spirit, the more likely they are to experience miracles. And conversely, congregations that do not expect miracles will not likely see them. This is a great call to rediscover the work of the Holy Spirit, to realize God wants to move beyond our corporate, corporate understanding of church, frankly, he wants to do more than we can control. So I invite you to sing with me. We sang this song earlier. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome in us pray. Call the Holy Spirit. We need you. We don't need you to bless our plans. We need you to show us your plans. We need you to conform to our agendas. We need you to teach us to discern your agenda. Come Holy Spirit. Spirit, we have family members. We're wondering the need to experience your presence and your power to know. To experience. You're transforming love. They need an encounter with you. They don't need theories. They don't need conversations about you. They need to, they need to meet you in a new and a fresh way. Maybe they've experiences in the past, maybe, but maybe not. I don't know. do know, they need to know you. They need to know your love. We cannot make it happen. We need you. Jesus, we need you to love them in a way that just blows their minds. Draws them to yourself. We need you to work in their lives in whatever way you choose, but we need you to reveal your power, your protection, and your provision. And we need you to draw them to Jesus. We need you to draw us closer to Jesus. Need you to fill us to overflowing with with your kind of love, so that so that when we walk and talk with people, they feel like they've met you, not us. you to do miracles. Take us out of the boxes that that we just went to with all those that word. As soon as we say that word we all start having our own ideas of what that means. We need you to work in ways show the people around us that you are the true living God. Help us to fan the flames of your holy love in us until people see Jesus. And all we do is say, Holy Spirit, we need you. Amen. For those of you who are online, thank you for connecting with us this morning. thank you for connecting with us, and uh, if you've not already done so, I invite you to join the Champions of Hope Facebook group. We'd appreciate having the opportunity to connect with you there. Well, Paul said pray constantly, so I'm going to pray again. Lord God Almighty, help us to live this week to the full, be true to you in every way. King Jesus, help us to give ourselves away to others, being kind to everyone we meet. Holy Spirit, help us to love the lost and the least, proclaiming Christ in all we do and say. Amen. We are sent in the name of Jesus. Go, love.